The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. You know, while it seems a majority of people are listening to and believing the words of those leading us through this COVID-19 pandemic, there are still some that say this is all overblown. The question is, for me and for a lot of people, is for those folks who think that this is just all overblown, well, how are they behaving? How are they dealing with it all? Well, something that the Angus Reid Institute looked into last week. Sachi Curl joins us now. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. All right. So give me an idea, if you don't mind, how the perception of COVID-19 has changed over the past couple of months in this country. Oh, drastically. Uh, The first time we asked the question was at the beginning of February. Now, mind you, that was a long time ago. That was before Mm -hmm. everything kicked off. But really, uh, at that time, 70% of Canadians thought that the threat of a COVID-19 pandemic in Canada was overblown. At the time, 32% said it was real. We have seen those trend lines form a beautiful X, like a a certain (laughs) public speaker would like to say, in that one line has gone way down and one line has shot up and really today you've got 88% of Canadians saying uh, yeah the threat is serious because guess what it's here the pandemic is here but you still have about one in ten who are saying actually a little more than that about that one in eight that's about 12% of the country that that still adds up to a couple million Canadians saying you know what the threat's overblown Uh, it's really still much ado about nothing now okay in and of itself that's interesting because you think well okay you know at least the vast majority um, do recognize the gravity of the situation what we wanted to further understand is you know what is this doing to the behaviors of the people who don't recognize the seriousness of the threat who believe it's overblown and what's really remarkable is that they are far less likely to be sort of behaving and and um, adhering to a package of behavior that we all uh, have been told repeatedly are behaviors that are going to curb and lessen the the, the, the pandemic and really curb and lessen the infection. So things like staying at home, staying away from public places, washing your hands more, not touching and hugging people. These are the things that we, we are constantly being told this is what helps, this is what you should do. When we talk to Canadians who say that they believe the threat is serious. Three quarters are doing all four of those behaviors as a package together. When we talk to people who say that the threat is overblown and it's not that serious, only a third are doing all four behaviors. So while majorities across the board are doing a little bit of everything, you really have to look at that in totality and that is where you see the stark difference. And then you start to wonder where the community transmission comes in. And maybe, you know, that's part of it right there. Such, I have to tell you, just had a text that came in and says, it is overblown. Do your bit to get this resolved so we can all get on with our lives. Who are these people that believe that it is overblown? You know, I don't want to paint any one demographic with a picture and say everybody uh, is like this because really you're still dealing with minorities of groups. But uh, I hate to say it, folks in Alberta and BC a little more likely to say it's overblown. Men over the age of 35 more likely to say it's overblown. Um, And interestingly, political preference has a little bit to do with this. Folks who vote conservative a lot more likely to say it's 
it's overblown. Now, I want to be really clear. We're not saying this is all conservative voters, all men over the age of 35, all Albertans and British Columbians. No. But who are they? They're a little more likely to, to live in those buckets. Um, and really, yeah. and that, that does tend to correlate, I think, a little bit with, with trust in institutions. You know, these are, these are some of the same folks who have less trust in government, less trust in public institutions, tend to be a little bit more individualistic or iconoclastic in the, ter- in the things that they think tend to be a little bit less um, trusting of, so- of, of experts. They will often call them so-called experts. And so, again, this isn't everybody. This is minorities of these groups, but you see higher representations in these groups of that kind of thinking. I was, it was interesting. Um, I, I've got the whole thing in front of me looking at all of these graphs, and I go back to that perfect X that you talked about earlier, but I'm looking at all of these, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, when you when it looks at things like how it's impacted households already, not necessarily surprising that a lot of folks out there are feeling this um, and and it, it's when you look at who believes it or who doesn't believe that it's overblown, I, I thought that those numbers were interesting. Well, what's interesting about those numbers is there actually isn't a lot of difference in terms of yeah. who's feeling it financially. So you could ask the question, well, if you haven't been hit, if you haven't lost a job over it, uh, if you're merrily rolling along in terms of not having lost work hours or worrying about your business, um, maybe, maybe they're just isn't that sense of, of, of personal touch. But no, that's not the case. They're as likely to have lost work, as likely to have seen their investment portfolios shrink, as likely to have had someone in their household um, really uh, take take the brunt of this. So what is, what is it that they're more interested in and more concerned about? They're not that concerned about getting sick themselves. They're not that mm. concerned about friends or family getting sick sick, what they are concerned about is the economic driver. And so it may be that because these folks are are feeling the economic pain in the same way that others are, their view of it is, well, it it may be overblown and I just want to go back to the the way things were before maybe I got laid off or my roommate or my spouse or my partner or my wife or my husband lost hours at work. We're speculating a little bit here, but we wanted to understand really who are these folks and how is this affecting their behavior? And what's mm-hmm. scary to me is is those hygiene and distancing behaviors <sighs> are not being performed as consistently by this minority. It is a minority, but when this thing is so infectious, what the heck kind of impact is it having on our community? Absolutely. I agree with you 110% because it doesn't take much when you read about it. I mean, how this spread and how it is spread it, it just goes. So yes, if there's one in a group of eight or one in a group of ten, doesn't take much, Sachi. Oh my gosh, your hair must curl at some of this stuff. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, we're all, we're all in this together, and sometimes you you got to be the messenger who's who's telling you know giving messages that aren't aren't that fun or aren't that popular. But but there you have it. It, it is there. You have it. It's dirty work, but someone's got to do it. Well, you know, it's a fascinating full read-through, and you can find it at Ang- Angus Reed Institute on the website. Um, there's a, yeah, at angusreed.org. That's right, uh, angusreed.org. Angus yeah. All righty, yeah. Spend some time with it this 
morning. Go check out those graphs. Those are interesting too. Sachi, thanks so much for joining me. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay. And take care. Alrighty. Some of your texts coming in this afternoon. I tell you, Jay, there are still way too many people not taking this serious enough and quite frankly I'm trying to I'm, I'm, I'm getting sick of it I'm getting sick of going into a grocery store when I have to and having people still standing right next to me running in front of you and looking at me and literally touching every single package looking for the special one they want I'm going to say this once and people need to start learning stay the hell away pretty soon if you want such close contact you're going to get it but it's going to be with my fist so this one this guy's mad he's mad now like seriously we don't need to be hitting anybody we don't need to be but I get what you're saying I get your frustration um, my husband today went to the grocery store and I said how was it there he says oh you know not too bad he said it's just when you're kind of walking by people and I and I said well, well when you were in line at the checkout he says yeah people were social distancing people were giving each other room which was good um, someone else says I'm turning you off right now okay um, more of your texts coming in this afternoon. Agree, men who seem to be over the age of 60 and definitely 70 years plus are completely tone deaf to COVID, says this person. I experienced it twice during my first shopping trip today in 16 days. One older guy was laughing and snickering about the distance at Costco. And Melissa says, Jay, social idiots are the problem. I know of people who think they are immune because of health supplements, and that is really nothing to worry about. My gosh. So selfish to disregard the health risk. People are dying. That's from Melissa this afternoon. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.